As we continue our study in the book of Luke, would you turn with me then to Luke 13, verse 10. And if you want to use the Bible that's in your chair or pew, it's on page 872. Begin reading with uh, verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. That's the reading of God's word. Let us pray. O Lord... Give us grace, give us grace, Lord, to understand your word, to be gripped by your word, for your word to transform us, for your word to enliven us, for your word to give us hope, Lord, for your word to have its great effect in our life, to form us after the character of Christ, to form us into love. Lord, be gracious to us, for your name's sake we pray. Amen. As you read uh, commentaries and other material about this uh, disability she has, this uh, bent over condition, there's a lot of talk about disability in general. And one man mentioned the fact that we all are becoming disabled more and more every day. And it made me think a little differently about that. I thought, if, you, if I was a 20-year-old and you saw me playing basketball like I would play now, you would think, was he in a car wreck or something? I mean, he's so stove up. He doesn't move very well. I mean, what's wrong with him? I would be 
a disabled 20-year-old for sure. I remember seeing a race. It was at some uh, athletic event. And there were two men who were either 90 or 100. I can't remember. They may have been 100 years old. And they were at least in their 90s. And they were showing that these two men could still run the 100-meter dash, right? But they ran like they were 100 years old. I mean, just wobbly. I mean, they were moving. But if you saw two 20-year-olds running like that, you'd think, what in the world is wrong with them? So we're all becoming disabled. It happens even earlier, right? In your 20s and a lot of people in your 30s, you start noticing skin is not what it used to be. You know, wrinkles are forming. You have aches and pains. We're all becoming disabled. But here's the, here's the important thing and why this text is about all of us is our physical growing disability is a sign of our spiritual disability. Spiritually, all of us are bit over like this woman. Spiritually, all of us are utterly uh, sick and diseased. And this, as we come to this, we, we come with the great hope that Christ will uh, renew us in our spiritual disabilities. And then ultimately, he will renew us in our physical disabilities. The whole of our lives will be transformed by this Christ who liberates He's called by uh, Luke, the Lord, in verse 15. The Lord answered him. So this is the exalted one. This is the one who has all power and has all authority. And this story is about the Lord who liberates. Jesus, the Lord, liberates. We're going to look at when and who and where. Pretty straightforward in terms of his liberation. That involves every single one of us and ultimately, as we'll see, will affect everything in creation. So this is a startling encounter of cosmic proportions. This one event in this little synagogue in a village somewhere where Jesus heals this woman speaks of what's happening in the whole world. The whole history of the world is encapsulated in this event. Now, the when is emphasized a lot because the word Sabbath is mentioned five times here. Sabbath, 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 Sabbath. It happens on the Sabbath. And Luke is recalling for us the first time Jesus spoke in the, on the Sabbath in his hometown, Nazareth. And I'd like for you to turn back. We don't do that a whole lot, but I would like for you to turn back to chapter 4 because this passage has everything to do with our passage. So it says in verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And after handing back the scroll, all eyes are on him in verse 21. He says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus reads this from Isaiah 61 about the liberty of the oppressed. And he says, it is here. It is now. The time has come and I am the one in whom this is going to take place. So what he proclaims there in Nazareth He works out in this passage. He demonstrates. In fact, there are three more times in Luke where he is teaching in the synagogue. Each of those times, he heals someone. First time, he heals a man who is uh, demon-possessed. The next time, he heals a man whose whose hand is withered. The third time, he heals this woman who has bent over. And so Jesus, to appear in the synagogue, Luke first has him exclaim, now is the year when the oppressed are going to be set free. And then he shows every time he's back in the synagogue, that's what happens. The oppressed are set free. You see, it's a proclamation of word and it's a proclamation of action. This is, the the kingdom is here Uh, It is especially, it is now, today. And you get that sense where Jesus uh, being challenged by the synagogue leader who doesn't have courage to address Jesus directly, but in kind of a chicken way, you know, addresses the congregation and wags his finger at them. Don't, you're not supposed to do this today, any other day. And you're, it's so preposterous because What, are you going to be here tomorrow, Mr. Synagogue Leader, and you're going to heal her tomorrow? Is that what you're talking about? Obviously, he had no concern, no compassion. He didn't rejoice over her being healed. He didn't care about that woman. And Jesus, of course, gives this wonderful analogy. You know, they had rules for what you could and couldn't do for an animal. For instance, you could lead the animal to water, but you couldn't carry anything while you let it. And you couldn't hold a bucket for it because that would be work, but you could pour water in a trough and it could drink it. Okay. So there were these careful rules about what you could and couldn't do, even with animals, but you could take care of your animals. And Jesus is making this comparison. So here's this animal bound by at the manger and You can untie it and lead it to water and it's just been tied up for a few hours and its needs aren't that great. And even if you skip the day, it's it's okay, but you don't do that. You, you, You get it water. And this woman's been bound for 18 years and she's a woman and you're not going to do anything or allow anyone to do anything. You hypocrites. And I love how for Jesus, it's now. It's going to happen now. Not one more day. (laughs) Not another day of this. She's going to be healed now. 
So that's the great win. The, the, the mention of, uh, for these to occur on the Sabbath so regularly in this way in the synagogue, and for Jesus to announce this is the year of the Lord's favor, uh, collectively mean that he's announcing the year of Jubilee has finally gotten here. In the Old Testament, that was every 50 years. You counted seven, seven years, 49, that next year, the year of Jubilee where lands were returned, where slaves were set free. It was the great emblem of liberty in uh, the nation of Israel. And now he is announcing the day to which that pointed, to which all the Sabbaths pointed, and the Jubilee itself pointed, it is here, it is now. Today is the day for salvation. Today is the day for rescue. It's the now mission of Jesus of of liberation and restoration. And certainly for you, it is now. Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' salvation is for you right now. Jesus does not uh, put you off. Jesus does not... uh, Say because of this or that issue, he will not have you. Uh, Jesus throws the doors open to you at present. And it is, as we will see, your condition doesn't matter. Now is the day for the Sabbath. And it's glorious to think that Jubilee has broken out in this world through Jesus. And Jubilee presents itself to you even right now. And not only that, but through you then, you become the agents of Jubilee. What we see Jesus do in his compassion for this woman, in his care for her. Granted, we don't have the power to heal like Jesus. But we have the power and the grace to bring love and grace and nourishment and comfort and visitation and help in so many, many ways to people who are bent over in our society. We have a ministry, happens to be here in Fort Worth, and many of you know of it, World Relief, where uh, immigrants from all over the world come to this place. And you know what they need more than anything else? They need an American family to come alongside of them to visit them, to help them connect to the resources that are in this city. And you see, that's just one example of people who come, and because of their condition, they're bent over, right? They're hurting. They're helpless in so many ways. Somebody must help them connect. And many Christians are helping them. But that's just one example for us. Who are the people... How are we bringing jubilee into the lives of people around us? How do I orient my week to bring jubilee to people that are bent over? Either because of physical disability or financial disability. Because of relational disability of the loss of a loved one. Or it could be divorce. It could be abandonment. So many different issues. As you think in those terms and you see that this, this woman was noticed by 
Jesus and he acted upon her because he is there to, to liberate the, the oppressed. It, there are people who are treated unjustly day in and day out in our society. How are we acting? How are we even learning what it's like to be one of those who are treated unjustly? And how are we coming alongside those that are bent over to bring liberty, to manifest jubilee? So we not only experience it ourselves, to be brought into the favor of Jesus and for him to begin to heal our own disability spiritually and in other ways as well. Uh, but then we uh, are a part of Jubilee as we bring it to other people. So the win is now. <laughs> the win is your week this week, this month, this year. How are you living out Jubilee? How are you manifesting the Christ that you and I say, I'm serving this Jesus who healed this bent over woman? How does that look in my life? How does that shape me? How does that form me? If his life, his spirit is in me, what is it going to look like in this particular place? And it'll look different wherever you are because the needs of people are different wherever you are. And that's what we all must be asking. The great privilege of being a part of Jubilee, which is right now, Jesus has come. Who does he do this for? And this lady has possibly uh, a disease called spondylitis ankylopoetica, I think. <laughs> and as I, it's, a, it's a condition where their bones are fused, and they think maybe most likely this is her condition. And... I can't, I, I can't speak about this without thinking of our own brother, Steve Guerin, who suffers from a disease in which he is bent over. And I've said to many people uh, for years, there's nothing that's probably transformed me and affected me more in worship than to see Steve bent over and lifting his hands up. To receive the benediction. Lifting his hands up in the doxology. I really. So that idea in Ephesians. Where together we're to encourage and admonish one another. With songs, hymns and spiritual songs. It's an admonishment to me every week. Beautiful thing. And. It. It gives at least it, it, it's very personal, you know, as we think about this woman being in this condition. Now, in her situation, she would have been avoided in society. She would have been pushed to the fringes of society. She would have been unnoticed, ignored, neglected. And yet Jesus saw her. She suddenly became visible. This woman probably was accustomed to being in the fringes. Though she came to synagogue, she wouldn't stay away. She was there to hear the word of God. She was there to participate in the community. But 
everyone talks about how invisible that kind of woman uh, would have been and the social position uh, that she had in that society uh, where the religious leaders wouldn't touch someone like that. And they certainly wouldn't have any relationship or public interaction with a woman. You know, that, that would be uh, way beneath their dignity. That would be an unclean thing almost to, to even engage in for them. But Jesus calls her to where he is. He's, he's seated up front. He's teaching. And think, why would you interrupt teaching for this? Because compassion, you know, compassion just poured out of him. And he stopped everything and called her up there, changed her position immediately in the community from being a nobody, an ignored, neglected person to right to the front. Where, of course, he touches her and and heals her. And she stands up straight for the first time. And her bent over position was kind of, it represented her social position, right? And he changed everything for her in that society, in that community. And he calls her later, uh, addresses her as the daughter of Abraham. And it's, it's like saying, hey, you, you, you covenant promises, woman. <laughs> you, you woman who... You're an offspring of Abraham. You're an offspring. And of your offspring, it was said in Genesis, of Abraham's offspring, I will be your God. It was said, I will, that your offspring will have the gates of their enemies. That's what your offspring is going to happen with them. Their enemies are going to be overthrown and they're going to occupy the gate of their enemies. And here's another thing for your offspring. Through your offspring, all the nations will be blessed. And so she is reckoned, he he brings her into all the promises of God, calling her the daughter of Abraham, naming her by her, her, her royal heritage, giving her her royal inheritance. And I think of this when Jesus calls you. To himself, he calls you into this host of promise. This promise that goes from full forgiveness for everything you've ever done wrong or thought or said into the full favor of God, which has a lifetime warranty on it. This favor of God that you will enjoy. It will never be taken away from you. It can't be changed. You're brought into that favor permanently because of the death of Christ. And he promises his presence with you from now through your death and forever. He he promises that he will work all things in your life together to keep forming you into a person more and more set free to love others. Which means... Happier and happier as a human being because you are given to love. And he promises an inheritance, this royal inheritance in which you will live in the new creation and you will reign with Christ. This host of promises that Jesus brings, that 
offers us. These benefits that start immediately. They're even retroactive because whatever you've experienced or suffered in the past, he will use that for your good in the future. And so to each of you women, he addresses you and says, daughter of Abraham, daughter of Abraham, come into the promises of God, son of Abraham. And if you're not become a son, I invite you to become a part of these promises to inherit and embrace and be the beneficiary of all of these promises. And the amazing thing is that this especially applies to the bent over condition that we have spiritually. The deformities of our souls that all of us have. The, the, the bent in selfishness that all of us have living for me before anything else. We're deformed. We're disabled. We're bent over spiritually. And we must come to him to be made straight. And that's a process, yes. And it's hard at times. And it hurts at times. As we put those things to death and we're more and more liberated to love others. But our whole lives are being restored in Christ spiritually. And that affects us relationally. So that we are bent over as a people relationally. The brokenness of relationships, the pain of relationships in this world. And he's here to enable us to form a community in which we're beginning to stand up more and more. Beginning not to be so bent over because we live in sacrifice and love and commitment to one another. He's healing us. He's healing us as a community. And even the whole of creation is bent over. We read about it in Romans 8 where this creation has been subjected to futility, to bondage. It uses the term bondage. How she has been bound by the enemy. And as we've said so many times, if this is creation, as wonderful and amazing as it is, but creation's stumbling along, bent over because of our sin, engulfing creation itself, what's it going to be when it's not bent over anymore? And creation itself in the last day straightens up. And begins to run and to be what it was meant to be. So you see, this this act, this seemingly small thing has cosmic implications. It's a little microcosm of what God is doing in all of his people's lives and what he's doing in creation itself. And it's a wonderful thing then for you to think Today is the day where I enjoy the presence of God. Today is the day that I become a part of Jubilee. And today is the day that God is straightening me up. 
And here it doesn't matter how long you've been in sin. It doesn't matter how horrible your sin is, how thick and, and inescapable it seems, how fixed it seems in your life. It doesn't matter. That's one of the points that he's underscoring. 18 years. And just like that, she's made whole. It doesn't matter. Jesus will change you. Jesus will cause you to stand up. And as you are struggling with sins that seem they, they will overcome you. And, and you've been in them so long and now maybe they feel worse than ever. And you think, how in the world will this ever change? Have hope. This is the liberator. This is the one who brings jubilee. And has, if he sees her, he sees you. He sees you in your pain. He notices you when no one else notices you. He has compassion on everything you suffer and every loss you've ever had and every mistreatment you've ever had. He sees you. Don't stay away from him. Give yourself up to this one who makes you whole, who causes you to stand up straight spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And in that final day, physically, he will, he will, one day I won't run like a 66 year old in the new creation. When Jesus comes again and he, our bodies become conformed to his glorious body. And I was asked this week uh, through a parent, what age will we be when we're in the new creation? Uh, I thought, not 66. <laughs> but it's hard to say. Uh, and I, I gave kind of a general answer to say, it may not be framed in age at that point, but whatever, <clears throat> whatever point where our fullest humanity is in absolute magnificent bloom, and every capacity and every ability is at its height. That's how, that's our age. Whatever that is. Not go worry about the age. Just that full humanity and perfect bloom. Giving itself to the new creation. Reigning and bringing its powers to bear on that creation forever. So, we and creation will stand up in that last day. And that's some of the meaning of what Jesus said in Nazareth, right? Nazareth, when he said, this is the year of the Lord's favor. I'm proclaiming good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed. And then finally, where? Well, the where I'm getting... Uh, of course, it's there. It's in the synagogue. But the synagogue, through these three uh, events that, that Luke gives us, has been transformed because of the kingdom of God. And there's, there is the therefore in verse 18, showing that Jesus has just manifested. And if you didn't catch it, he starts telling you, after he, he states that she's to be loosed on the Sabbath day, he says, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? You've just seen the kingdom. 
You're just seeing the kingdom manifest itself. But you wouldn't recognize it as this kingdom. You're looking for a magnificent event in which all nations are bowing down before the new Messiah who's now ruling from Jerusalem and all the nations are subjugated. And and this doesn't look like the kingdom to you. Where's the kingdom? Wait. (laughs) You're calling this forgotten woman who has 18 years been over and now she's standing up. You're calling that the kingdom? Uh Uh-uh. That's not the kingdom. That's not bells and whistles and the whole world is transformed and it's visible and everybody knows the king is here and he's taken over everything. That's a kingdom. They knew what it was for one nation to conquer another. They knew what it was for a new kingdom to take over somewhere. This isn't it. And so Jesus says, no, this is where it's happening. This is where it is. This is the kingdom. It is present. And you catch it when he says she was bound to be, she was bound, loosed from the enemy himself. This bond on the Sabbath day, freed from your disability. Ought this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? You see, the kingdom of God rolls back the domain of Satan. And it was rolling back the domain of Satan. She was not demon-possessed, but her sickness was connected in some way. It's the only time he speaks like this, but it was connected in some way to the work of Satan. And she was in that bond. And it's certainly a picture of our being bound by Satan. And how he is rolling away the domain of Satan and bringing us into his kingdom. His kingdom is plunging into the warfare, confronting the kingdom of Satan and beating it back and rolling it back. And he says, it's like this grain of mustard seed, the tiniest, tiniest little seed, one millimeter. And yet it grows into this bush, which becomes this tree and the birds may represent the Gentiles, but they certainly represent uh, people from all nations coming to find their rest in that kingdom. So this kingdom that extends itself out and embraces the peoples of the earth. So it's another way to look at Jubilee, right? You're a part of Jubilee. You're part of this kingdom That is rolling back the effects of Satan in this world. Could there be anything more glorious in this world? Because that is the warfare. That is the battle happening. The cosmic event going on right now. Is that the kingdom of Jesus. The kingdom of God. In which he rules his people. And his rule has its effect in their lives. So that they begin to give themselves away freely to others. They begin to change into the character of Jesus because of his rule. This kingdom is, this this is an encounter of startling proportions when Jesus heals this woman and frees her from Satan. And he compares it as well to leaven 
And so he's taking these every day, the farm, you know, off the farm and in the table fixing uh, dinner. Uh, the meal she's making up is, is like 50 pounds. It could serve 150 people. It's extravagant for a peasant house, but it's a way to get at the abundance that's, that's made through just a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. And it does it, you can't really see it happening. And one of the points of this is whatever you may think about the kingdom and, and however small it may look to you. And I've heard so many people talk about because of certain things happening, happening morally in our country or certain things happening within churches. This kind of woe is us mentality. It's all over. Our culture is being lost. <laughs> look where this was said in the Roman Empire in a in a religious connection that was all but dead. And he said, this is the way the kingdom works. This is what's happening. This is what God is doing. And it is going to grow. And it's going to be magnificent. And the whole of the earth is going to benefit from it. And there's a sense, too, in which it bleeds into the new creation in which the kingdom As it says in Daniel, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all other kingdoms fall before it. Or in the words of Revelation, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and his Messiah. So all kingdoms in the final day, his is the only kingdom that remains. And so he will completely roll back the influence of Satan and Satan and his in, and, and all those who stand with him are thrown into the lake of fire. And his people are given the inheritance of the earth. And all others are removed from the property. Yeah, there's a rolling back of the kingdom of Satan that will be absolute and final in that last day. It's a doomed kingdom. We are part of that. We are part of the jubilee. We are part of God exercising his rule in our life so that we can offer this gracious king to others so that they might come under his gracious rule as well. That's what we are a part of. And we have tremendous hope because he defines what the kingdom is and how it works. However invisible it may appear, God is working in magnificent ways in millions of people's lives all over this world. Developing, working, advancing his kingdom. We ourselves are under new management. And his rule is continuing in our lives as he's healing us and making us whole and cleaning our lives and rebuilding us and reforming us. But the last word to say is that all of this sickness and disability and relational disability and suffering in this world is not innocent. It's not that that we were like innocent people in a city minding our own business and suddenly we were taken over by something. No, we left God willingly. We abandoned God. God. We turned our backs upon God. We embraced the rebellion against God. We stood with Satan to hate God and despise his rule and despise his love. And so, Jesus 
The, the fact that he heals this woman is tied inextricably to the fact that he died for this woman. Nothing less than his death was necessary in order for us to be rescued from our spiritual and physical disability. His death is the reason that this creation will be remade one day. And we will be remade. Because we had rebelled against that God. And Jesus had to stand in our place and bear our punishment. And bear the confusion and misery and curse, the full curse of sin in his person. And to bear it away from us so that now we can find the grace and mercy of God freely and live in his favor forever. Through the precious death of our king. That's the kingdom to which you can be a part. That you can be a part of. The kingdom of a son who died for the members of his kingdom. That's our glory. That's our humility. That's our hope as we offer it to people in the world. You can come into the favor of God because God has come in the flesh and died for you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this amazing healing of this woman, what it means for us, what it means for this world, what it means for history, what it means for the end of this of, of history, what it means for creation. Oh Lord, may we see ourselves as a part of this jubilee event, see ourselves a part of this kingdom in which Satan Satan's rule, Satan's domain was rolled back and and now united to Christ as we live out his love and we proclaim him. We too can be a part of the jubilee of seeing people set free, seeing them become a part of the kingdom of Christ, no matter who they are, no matter what they've been a part of. Oh Lord, catch us up that we will know the when and the who and the where the jubilee, the kingdom, and, 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 and love individuals as you love this woman. See individuals as you saw this woman. See the people in our neighborhood, the people we work beside. See hurting people all around us. Oh, Lord, forgive us that we are purposely blind. We refuse to even see it. We refuse to admit it. So that we can stay clear, so that we can have our own time and and our own life. Oh, Lord, make us like yourself, we pray. It is for your glory that we would ask this. Amen.